I thought it'd just be good just to hear from a number of you tonight, like what you heard last week in relation to the Lord's Prayer. Like, is it different from what you thought it was? Is it similar? What was it that you were gleaning from last week that he's been speaking to you about in relation to what it is, as opposed to being something that sits nicely on a plaque that we recite but really have no concept of the life that sits behind it. So be good to hear from maybe three or four people to just come up or wherever you are and just if you've got a big voice just say it so everyone can hear. Um, the part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, what is it, kingdom on earth, no. on earth as it is in heaven. And I know you sort of went over it, but I feel like that purpose of, or the need to understand his purpose with us is held obviously just outside of us um, and we need to ask for that to be revealed. But it's, it's like something in heaven needs to happen here. So. This is cool. A bloke. Oh. You want to do it? Yeah, no. Speaking to this because it's recorded, so then you can have a listen to it again. Uh, I, th- I think, um, so for me, and I sh- shared last week, and I think Tess was similar, like like going to the school that I went to, the Lord's Prayer was something that um, everybody sort of stood up and recited and never really gave much uh, thought to. Um, and so there were a few parts that, that struck me um, last week. One of the ones that I've sort of been, that, that keeps striking me is, is your kingdom come and... Um, you know, and the the comment you made around, you know, you know, a kingdom has a king, but it only has one king, and um, just that. Even and, and what what we've done this week has been, which has been quite cool, is we've actually sat there at the dinner table with our kids and um, replaced grace with the Lord's prayer, and then just been sort of unpacking it with them and um, going through it with them because it's just been it's been cool for us and cool for them that it doesn't become what it had become for for me so yeah that's it very cool ladies maybe someone on that side of the room <laughs> bricks like I feel like it's just, I, I don't know, you guys kind of already said it in a lot of ways, but it's that reiteration of even be careful what you pray for. You know, we say the words, but then when he comes knocking, like do we allow him to do the work that he wants to do? And I think if you're really marinating on, on the words, and I did that over in the week, and it's like you, you realise the weight of what you're asking for, which is exciting, but when he comes knocking, do we, <laughs> do we go, oh, no. But, you know, and that's the beauty in, in that and, and what you said, James, around him being the king and him defining that. And I feel like you said that as well, where it's like um, even these things that we say, they roll off the tongue so easily, 
will we actually take the time for hi- to him t- for that to reveal in our heart and actually come into the true meaning of that and not just this this lovely quote that we put on a placard like you said the whole thing's a battle for lordship isn't it like we're born the lord of our own life and we're born a little owl and to control our own life and to set up our own destiny, to have our own dreams, to have our own goals. and you know, You're raised up in this environment where your mum and dad encourage you to be all you can be in you. And there's nothing that can get in the way of you what you want to do. So let's create a platform and a pathway for you to discover your destiny. Now that's crept into here, meaning not this building, but into the body of Christ. It's a very worldly way of looking at something, but it's not the way Jesus looks at something. Hence, Jesus said, seek first my kingdom when he runs into you. Because my kingdom and your kingdom are not the same kingdoms. You're the Lord of your kingdom. I'm the Lord of my kingdom. You can't have two lords if you want to be in my kingdom. There's only one Lord, and I am it. So there's only one king. And so we grow up in a world that's there's two types of kingdom. There's a diplomatic kingdom and there's a theocratic kingdom. So we live in a world that's supposed to be, you have a say. You make choices, but in his kingdom, he makes the choices, he makes the say, and you get to come under that. And this is what can be very, uh, what's the word, confronting because you've been the Lord of your life, your entire life, and you run into the Lord who says, I have an offer. And it's not just about saving you from a place called hell. It's about me becoming your king in you. It's about me establishing my domain in you where you actually relinquish the control of you and now you're controlled by love me. And that's ultimately as simple as it is. And the war happens when you want to hold on to you and have him. He goes, no, you've got to let go of you and have me. But what we want to do is one hand here, one hand there, which means we want to maintain and stay the Lord of our own lives while adding him to our lives. And then we ask him to make our lives good, but he says, I can't make a dead life any dead than what it actually is. Because you're dead. So although you think you're alive, you're dead in you. And you can't produce what I can produce, so as long as you keep being the Lord of your own life, you will get the fruit of that, which is nothing. But there's another fruit on offer. And so those are two kinds, and I love what James says, because this, this is a prophetic declaration. It's a prophecy, the Lord's Prayer. It's a living dimension that you're continually coming into more and more and more. So it never finishes because every day when you wake up, our Father can become new. So you get another measure of revelation and another measure and another measure. So out of you just starts this entire process. So rather than being linear, it's circular. And it just goes round and round and round. And then you find the reality of what he means when he says on earth as it is in heaven and that you're seated in this heavenly place which isn't in heaven, it's on earth but because it's in Christ and Christ is in you you know how to minister and administer the king's kingdom because it's in you coming through you but you're not trying to, he is doing it within you so you just happen to be the vessel that his kingdom comes 
through. Which is how he gets his glory upon the earth and how his will gets done. That's why he brought the message of the kingdom, not John the Baptist. John the Baptist brought the message of repentance of iniquity and sin that gets you prepared for the kingdom message. And then when you look at the perils of the kingdom, you see it all outworking in the body. So the kingdom seed goes out, and there's three types of environments. There's the hard heart, there's the road, the rocky places, and the thorns, correct? And then there's the fertile soil. So you have to ask yourself, which one of those is your heart? Because depending on which one your heart is, depending on the fruit that's produced. Because it's a kingdom message, it's not John's message of salvation of sin and iniquity. It's about the kingdom being established within you, so out of you comes much fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And out of that you do works of power. So in you and out of you is literally coming the kingdom through you. That's why you don't build the kingdom. The kingdom is built within you because the king is being formed in you. So it's his kingdom coming through you. So when you speak, you speak the king's word, not your words, not what you feel, not what you think. You speak the king's word, which is the sword of the spirit, which has an impact on hearts. So we're literally called to be the ambassadors of his kingdom exactly like Christ was. So if you want to know the will of God as you go, the will of God for my life is that I would become exactly like the Messiah. We are not gods, but we are called to be Christ-like. We are called to be perfect, the absolute reflection of God on the earth. That's the church called the bride. She is to look exactly like her groom. Profound, eh? So you think about the way Jesus lived his life, and his wife or his bride will reflect him. So he left, sent the Spirit to raise up a church called the bride that looks like the groom, to which the groom is returning when she is completely ready. Which really has you asking questions whether God is a God of function or the God is a God of fellowship. Which one's first? Because he's a God of both, but one defines the other. Every relationship should be defined by fellowship, oneness, and the goal for oneness out of love, not what we do for one another. It's a very sad relationship that's defined by function. I married Danielle purely for function, for what she could do for me. We had children so they could actually just do things around the house. When they don't do things around the house well, we get very upset with these functioning little people. They're not that little anymore. My daughter looks me in the eye. No, we, they are a celebration of our marriage which is built on fellowship, oneness and the goal that the two would become one. Well, where did that come from? Like, Why is it that we don't get together physically based on function but somehow when we come into this relationship with God that's the first place we go? It's weird, aren't we? We know how to function this way in the natural but you have no idea how to do it in the spiritual. Why is that? Because we're natural, we're not spiritual. 
we're still actually mainly from the flesh functional, even though we may have the Spirit in us, we don't know how to live like the Spirit. So we don't know how to walk in the ways of the Spirit and live in the Spirit, so we value the natural above the spiritual. So we value natural family way, 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 way greater than spiritual family. But Jesus doesn't. You see, heaven on earth says, I know you gave me birth. What a beautiful picture right here. I know you gave me natural birth, but you are not my mother. You're just the vessel that brought me into the earth. My father and my mother are the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I grow, I'm going to do his will, whether you do it or not. And I will turn around to mum and say, you're not my mum. Only those who do the will of my father are my family. And mum's going to get highly upset because she went through what she went through to bring little Elisha into the world. Elijah. Elisha. I love his last name, Cruz. Isn't that cool? Cruz. Elisha Cruz. So you've got this dynamic of heaven to earth. So as it is here, it's to be here. And you and I are the vessels to bring that through. Okay? But what we've been taught it's like oh when you get there that's when it all is and he said no I came and brought it here so it's in me so when Jesus says repent what's he saying he is but you've already done that because you did that when you received John's message so you've had your heart circumcised through power You've repented from that, okay? So you're right, so there's a turning, but that's John's message. That's not Jesus' message. So you had circumcised of the heart. You realize your need to get cleaned of your iniquity and sin. You were crucified by the gospel, Jesus Christ, the word. Now you're ready for another message. So now he says, repent. What do you need? What part of your physical body is he now talking about? No, your mind. Your heart was here circumcision of the heart my mind that'd be weird but anyway get my head <laughs> so now he says now your mind needs to be renewed we've started the process your heart got circumcised you have a brand new heart now I have to go after your mind because you don't think the way I think I've started the process in your heart that's number one now we're going after your mind because your thoughts are not my thoughts your ways are not my ways you make me about the two three four God and I'm the God of one Right, so now you're ready though because your heart's been circumcised and he's ready to teach you and reveal within you what it is like to live from heaven on earth. So you can work out and be his ambassador on earth. So you should be so different and I should be so different from everyone of earth. The way you think, the way you live, the way you see, you see unseen things that no one sees. You eat those things and you live in accordance to the eternal even though you're on earth. Earth. Gonna hit the pause button right there and ask a question. Anybody want to ask me anything about what I said? It's supposed to. No one's special in his kingdom. Everyone is the same and he wants to do the same work. There are different gifts for different functions, but we're all called to be the church, disciples. So the process is the same for all. Now, does it happen in all? That's another story. That's another question. Well, it depends on whether you're willing to let it happen. Do you still want to be caught king of your life? 
Do you want to still be control of your life? Do you still want to be the Lord of your life, little L? If you do, and if you are, then yeah, you won't receive the fruit because you're telling him, it's okay, Jesus, I got this. <laughs> so you just take a backward seat there. Thank you for being in the car, but I'm driving the sucker. He goes, okay, cool. Love is patient, so I'll wait. And you'll crash. <laughs> you'll crash. And they'll be there going, you ready for me to take over? No, okay. And you'll crash. Maybe find some new things, but ultimately still it's nothing. And he'll just sit there till you're ready to relinquish the control and yield up your life unto him for his sake. And the quicker you do that, the better it is because you're sabotaging you. And so how can you demonstrate and administer his kingdom when you're still the Lord of your own life, which is a dead kingdom, and you're trying to access and possess life in his kingdom through your operating system, which doesn't work? Which is why we don't have any life in us, if that's the case, wondering why and getting frustrated and angry because it's not working. And you go, no, because you're trying to possess and access something through you. Doesn't work. You have to follow the pre ordained, destined plan called Jesus Christ. Anybody want to ask another question? Good question. Um, yes and no. <laughs> uh, no. One comes out of the other, but one doesn't come out of the other. So you'll never get fellowship out of that, but you get function out of that. Yeah? So what is, I'll, I'll throw it out there. This is bit of a Q&A and a discussion, what is fellowship? Because once again, this word has been so badly taught in the body. What is fellowship? Spiritual oneness. Okay. Spiritual oneness with who? Say it again. Yeah. Trinity first, and then one another. Now it has to be with Trinity first, otherwise you won't have it with one another. Okay, There's no way you can have oneness with me and I can have it with you if you do not have oneness with God. Because that's where you find your oneness with one another. It's not based on us. That is so beautiful because if we rip each other apart, we don't destroy this thing because it's based on knowing Him. And so everybody's source and answer is the same. It's Him. And that's where the challenge is, isn't it? Because if you're not interested in developing and growing an intimate, loving, growing relationship with the Lord, then you don't have fellowship with the Lord, which means you don't have fellowship with his body, which means you're not in one with God or his body. And so that's really weird because you said you wanted to be his church and have fellowship with him and one another. So I don't know what or who you really are, but you're not the church. 
because the church wants to have fellowship with God and one another. That's the entire principle and the pattern that the two become one. So to not enter into that process is to not enter into him. So you're still in you, trying to access life through you, going nowhere, and really you're going through forms of godliness. And God's like going, what are you doing, Greg? Oh, look what I'm doing for you. He goes, what are you doing, Greg? Oh, look what I'm doing for you. No, what are you doing, Greg? The Lord is speaking to the little Lord and go, what are you doing? I don't want your function. What does he want first? Your heart. So he says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. What is it that gets broken? Your spirit of pride, which is demonic, which is your will, that says, no, God, this is how it's going to go. God can play that game all day long because he's outside of time, but you're not. Like You've only got a designated amount of time to get this sorted out before you die, yeah? Because you're earthly, we're earthly, and we've only got a limited time. But God hasn't. And God you can't move or negotiate with. So he goes, it's a theocratic kingdom. I am the king of my kingdom and the king of my castle. And if you want to play this game, you've got to surrender and submit and come under and lose your life. This is the way it works. And of course we go, eh, 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 eh. He goes, okay. And so to have fellowship with God, which is the reflection of your worship, because worship means to sacrifice your life, yeah, for his. So worship and fellowship are highly connected along with this thing called lordship. So this Lord's Prayer is basically saying, come and take me out. You're actually inviting God in to be Lord of your life. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom and the king come on earth as it is in heaven. So come and live in me. So I don't live in me. But if you don't know that's what you're praying when he turns up, you go, what are you doing here? Well, I heard this prayer and I responded. (laughs) Why did you pray it? I didn't know what I was praying. Oh, well, do you want to get dealt to tonight? Because actually I want to bring you into this incredible life. I want you to be an ambassador. I want you to live as I lived. I want you to be a disciple who's fully trained and equipped to minister my grace, my power, my love, my forgiveness, my word into the earth to see people who are bound in darkness rescued out of darkness and come into light through the vessel called my church. You can't save anybody. You can't even change yourself, but you're being used by me to co-heir with me as my partner in crime to see the Father's will Established on the earth, not your will. That life died the day that you ran into your new king. So you're not asking me to give you the dreams of your heart and the desires of your heart. You're asking me that I would put my desires in your heart so you would now get together with me and we would do the Father's will, which is the second part of that. Journey. So you've got this thing called fellowship, which is spiritual oneness, which is what becoming one was all about, because the reality is not everybody is in this. 
or if we're in it, we've got to grow in it and we've got to be perfected in oneness, don't we? Because Jesus said, I want to perfect you in love, which is to perfect you in oneness so you can actually reflect me because your life is hidden in me. It's not God and Greg, it's Greg's life is hidden in God. Because I'm returning you back to Eden where we were one, where we had divine fellowship. But when you fell out of fellowship and fell short of the glory, Romans 3.23, you lost everything. You didn't just lose your position in heaven. You lost your inheritance. You lost your identity. You lost your meaning. You lost your purpose. You lost it all. And you became the team and the other team called the kingdom of darkness. So you were separated from me running that way, so I have to run after you. And if I don't do that, you're just going to run that way your entire life because you're unaware that you fell out of that thing because you were born out of fellowship. Not one single person in this earth was born in fellowship apart from Adam and Eve because they fell out of fellowship, didn't they? So if you didn't get yourself out of it, how do you get yourself back into it? You can't. You did not take yourself out of that. You were born out of it. So you can't get yourself back into it. Someone else has to. Ah, hence he has to send the Son. Otherwise there's no point to Jesus coming, is there? If you could get yourself back into fellowship, Jesus didn't have to come and go through what he went through for us. We can't. We are locked down, locked in, square box, key thrown away, There's only one person that can get you out of that, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's got to rescue you out of, because you're not in that, back into that. Then he wants to build you into that, where you with the Father, Son, Spirit, and one another are one. So Paul said, make my joy complete by have this type of fellowship. Have the same, same love. Same spirit, intent on how many purposes, church? One, which would be my will. Problem is, we've all been brought up with this, you've got a will, you've got a will, you've got a will. You're going to run individual lanes and you're all going to leave an individual legacy. And guess what? You're all the hero of your own story. And he's going to back you to the hilt. Anyone heard it? Sounds great to the flesh, eh? Wow, where do I sign up? <laughs> That's a, such a cool message, man. I'll be the hero of my story. He's going, no, 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 it goes like this. You're all losing your life tonight. Ooh. And you're going to leave that life behind. Ooh. For my sake, not yours. Then I'm going to empower you with me. And then we're all going to do my father's will. You want to come? Can I bury the dead first? Nah. Can I do this? No. Can I do this? No. This guy's not that loving. Yeah, he is. Can I just, can I just, can I just? I just got married. What are I married, bought a tractor, bought a BMW, bought a car. Good on you. Do you want to come? No? Okay, cool. See you later. I'll come over this side. Right, next. And the invitation goes out to this side of the room. Then you take one and you one and we go while everyone else is still trying to figure out something about their own lives. It's highly offensive. Highly offensive. But that's the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. 
on earth as it is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you go around this process. So don't let me hold unforgiveness in my heart because that'll get in the way of being a disciple of Christ. Don't lead me this way. You won't lead me to this. I'm going to lead you into life. But we've got to go through, not around. Too many Christians want to go around. You've got to go through. It's John 10. You've got to go through the cross. It's got to go through you. You've got to go, oh, no, I'm going to go around this one. Now, I've brought something for you to take you through it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't go around the fire. They went through the fire. And see, your flesh wants to go around all the time. There must be another way into this life through function. So let's do the function, not the fellowship. Because we can do function, which means we can reinforce the self in us that still lives in the Lord of self that gets self-gratification, meaning, purpose, identity, value, worth in what I do for you, Jesus. But Jesus is saying you've just gone round what I set up you're supposed to go through, so you have neither. One hundred percent. If we don't know him, then we have a false version of him, and that version of him can be very wrong. Which means you run away from him when he comes. You're like Adam, running away, hiding. God hasn't changed. Adam changed, and the only knowledge you have of God is via revelation. Like you can't. I was t- telling these guys last night. Okay. This is concealed from you. Do you agree? Okay. Which means you won't actually read this if you realize it's concealed from you. You have to hear it. It even says the words, Jesus spoke, I'm going to die. And the Bible says it was concealed from them. And they looked at each other and went, I don't understand what he's talking about. But they were afraid to ask him. And so the whole thing, Jesus included, is concealed from you but for you. And just because you've grown up with Bible teachings, Bible stories, coming to services, singing songs, it means absolutely nothing if you've had no revelation at all. You've just got information about a God that you think you know, but you don't. And it doesn't enable you to live a God-like life. But you turn up every week and go through what religious people do, but you're not in life. And the goal is life, isn't it? And so the Bible talks about forms of godliness. So you can have all these forms of godliness, but you never are able to possess the life in Christ because you have a form of godliness, not godliness. It's a form of, it's a counterfeit. You've believed a counterfeit thinking it's the real thing because it sounds amazing, it's just not him. But they quoted the scriptures. It doesn't matter if they quoted the scriptures. If a man or a woman speaking is not in the spirit with a revelation of the scriptures through the spirit, it's just their version of God. Technically correct as it might be, it's still not God. So it's about preaching God, not scriptures. 
It's about releasing Him, not Scriptures. It's about releasing the manifestation of Jesus Christ into the earth, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, so He can crucify or renew the mind. He wants to crucify the heart, renew the mind, transform the church through the Word, which is highly active, sharper than a double-edged sword, but it's not words on a page. It's the person. And this is what starts to challenge our reality and what we're built on, which we don't like because we might have grown up in and around it. Just because you work at McDonald's, it doesn't make you a burger, does it? That whole saying. No. So you've got to realise that just turning up in physical places and going through motions doesn't mean you know Jesus at all. And that's the biblical pattern that becomes very offensive, but actually it can be life-releasing. Because if you've tried to access life through that way, you get tired, don't you? And frustrated, it's like, why isn't this thing working? I come here every week, I read the thing. Someone at the front's telling me to do all these do's. And it doesn't work. No, because only if he does it. And so all you're left with is this. So this is number one in God. This is the start. Most Christians start here. They don't even know what that is. Oh, they do. This is cups of tea. I hear it all the time. We had some good fellowship. And it's always related to food. And who won the football on the weekend? No, Fellowship is when the Word of God is exchanged and people receive revelation and are changed because of the oneness and we're actually releasing life going, my goodness, me and Debbie have incredible fellowship, the mind of Christ, the Word of God, boom. And it feels like in you, you're on fire. That's fellowship. The Word is being released out of someone's spirit into someone else's spirit and there's a divine connection and sometimes you can't even explain what you're receiving but you're like, man, there's oneness, there's life. I just had a feed. And it takes you beyond the physical. Like you can be absolutely shattered and start having fellowship and you wake up and your body like wakes up and four hours later you stop doing that and now you're tired again. Have you experienced that? You are shattered. You're ready to go to bed, but the word is released. It's hidden your spirit, and you're like, Aah! and as soon as it finishes, like, man, I'm tired. That's the spirit taking over. That's because you have fellowship, and the Holy Spirit is ministering through you the word of God. And that is number one, in which then all function is to be produced through. The problem is, in God, that's four. That's not even second. That's fourth on the list. In our flesh, it's first. So tell me this isn't the story most of you have heard. Get saved, then let's go and win the world. Function. Oh, by the way, start serving. Yeah? So that's the plan. Win the world, cross the line, let's go find some people, and everyone start operating in function. Cool. Cool. Is there anything wrong with that? No, because we're called to be function, but not from a place of function as your core. Because you're going to burn yourself out, because why? Because you're still the source of your own life. You can't operate in that model while you're still the source for any length of time. 
But Jesus was highly functional because he had a brand new source called the Spirit. Paul was highly functional because he had a brand new source called the Spirit. He said, I strive. You're not supposed to strive in the body. Yes, you are. You strive according to the power of God working in you. You're not striving out of your own strength now. Because you've gone from being functional into number one. Do you know what the second aspect of this is here, fellowship? What's number two? Before you even look at function. What is every work supposed to be done from? Yeah, it is, but that's part of this. Because if you're in oneness, you're in love, aren't you? Go on. What does every righteous work need to be done by? Faith. Faith is number two. If the work's not done by faith, what's it done by? Begins with F. Flesh, which is you again. So once again, you're trying to do something out of your flesh. Can you love another human being the way you're commanded to love from your flesh? No. So that's not a God work, is it? Now that's a Greg work that's burnt up. Okay. So this is why this will inform this. Oneness, out of oneness he starts to share the work which is in the seen or the unseen. What? Unseen. So the works of God are to come from the unseen, which you need faith to see them. Otherwise, it's just your fleshly works, and anybody can do fleshly works, can they not? Cannot the Mormon do fleshly works? Cannot every other religion and non-Christian do flesh works? Anybody can put food on a table, correct? Anybody can bake cookies. Anybody can mow the lawn. Anybody can do flesh works, but not what anybody can do are eternal works. Now where do eternal works come from? Who do they come from? Right. So you've got to have fellowship with God for He wants to tell you what the works are going to do. Because yeah? Ephesians says He's actually got these works that He's prepared before the foundations of the earth for you to do. So if they've already been prepared and you don't know what they are, then you're not doing them. But you're doing your own thing because one day you heard a guy say, come on, we've got to do all these works. Well, I don't know, so I might as well give anything that a go. Figure it out. No, that's not a way to go because you're supposed to be in the spirit, not the flesh. So now you've got this fellowship faith thing. Do you know what the next F is before you hit function? When you turn up to do the work, what's going to be coming out of you first? Who? Okay, him. So you need the fruit of him, correct? The fruit. So when you rock up, because it's not just about doing physical works, when you rock up and you need to love somebody, they need the fruit of Christ coming out of you, isn't it? Especially if they've offended you. So an eternal work, the first eternal function and work is to love God and love people like he does. Well, you can't do that if your starting point is there. Okay. The first work of fellowship is what? What's the first work of fellowship, which isn't a physical work? Loving one another is an action, yeah? Love isn't an action. Love is an is first, and then it becomes an action. So you could say this is functional, but this first work here is not based on function. It's based on the spirit. 
So what did Jesus say the first work or the work of God is, which is not a functional action doing thing, it's a being thing? Believe. Now what does that mean? Does that mentally agree? Is that to verbally and mentally agree with what he says? Well, if it is, how are you living your life? No, it's having a living conviction through revelation in your heart that empowers you to actually come into faith, which empowers you to have fruit, which then empowers you to act. So the righteous acts of God's people called the saints which are eternal all come out of fellowship with God Noah built an ark was it a good idea and what does it say God showed him the unseen realm. No one knew what an ark was. They didn't even know what rain really was and the rain's coming. So build this thing and people ridicule you when you live like this because no one's got a reference for an ark. What's he doing? We haven't seen this before. What an idiot. This man's lost his mind. No, he was the only one seeing in the unseen and getting ready and prepared for what was coming. Well, someone's coming. Are you ready? Is your house in order? Because he's coming. The ark is coming. Who's the ark? Yeah. Are you ready? Are you a well-rounded, mature Jesus follower who's representing him in the kingdom of heaven because that's the prayer? Do you know the mysteries of the kingdom that you're granted to know because you're actually in the process, the spiritual process of transformation? You've been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 says you're stewards or servants of these mysteries, not in heaven on earth. So if you're called to be a servant and a steward of a mystery that you have zero understanding or concept of, you're not being it. You don't even know it exists. So then you are stewarding and serving who? Self. Which means you are completely out of alignment to God, but being covered by God, by His love, but you're not in love, you haven't been crucified by love, and you certainly don't live love, so when you stand in front of God, 1 Corinthians 3.16, and his fire goes through you for work, what you've done, not whether you're saved or not, and you're not in here, but you're over here with all your flesh works, which you think actually have eternal value, but he says they're filthy rags. Isn't that what it says? That's pretty gross, isn't it? Sometimes God gives you really gross analogies to show you how vile human works are to him to make you realize and shock you out of something that you need to get shocked into so when we stand before him this is the order so there are righteous acts of the saints they are right acts they have been inspired empowered led and facilitated by him through the vessel called the church which does it all from 
rest because she entered into rest and ceased from her works. So there's no burnout, there's no stress, there's no worry, there's no anxiousness because all we are doing is the vehicle that he builds in moves through and it's beautiful. And you get to represent heaven on earth seeing and knowing the things that are in the unseen that other people don't know called the eternal realm because it's eternal life and Jesus said to know eternal life is to know me and if you know eternal life then you know everything in me and you're coming to know everything in me so everything that comes out of you is me not you now that's the process of maturity but it starts at being crucified it starts at who is Lord. And that's the most confronting part of the entire thing because when you've been the controller of your entire life and you're the one shaping your entire life and you're even unaware of that reality and you actually believe that he's in you and you're in him and you absolutely believe it but you actually don't necessarily have the life of it and he comes to go, that's actually a deluded state. You see, there's a way that seems right to you, Greg, but it ends in death. And the fruit is the evidence, isn't it? So how does God make you aware of your true state? He says, here's the fruit of what it would look like if you're in my way. Why? So you can know whether you're in my way. Not to punish you, not to make you feel stink, but so you can go, I got no fruit. I don't have any love that's agape. I don't have a joy. I don't have peace. Man, as soon as one person moves this, I shake and my whole inner world is getting rocked all over the place. Someone blows on something and I'm like, man, oh my goodness. That's evidence that you're not in him because he never did that. And this is what we can know. We can have an eternal life in us through the abiding life which produces much fruit, which is the nature of God, isn't it? We're talking the nature of Jesus in you. Doesn't the Bible say that I've given you everything for godliness in life and I've given you my promises to produce the what? Eternal nature of God in the church. Did not Paul say we're going from glory to glory? Most people sing it and they're not even in it. No, zero reference for glory going from, we would love to sing it. But do you have it? And if you haven't, it's okay, but do you want it? Because it's pointless singing songs. And he says that, why do you keep singing songs to me and not be in me? Because you yet haven't given me the one thing I asked for, which is you. That's what the prayer is. You're praying, Lord, come and change me. I can't change me, but I know you can. And it starts with our Father, you're magnificent. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't understand it. But I know that you said it, so I believe it. So here I am, and I'm just vulnerable, and I lay my life down as an 
offering to you and I won't get up until you finish what you've started, which is an entire journey, which never ends. But there is a death, there is a resurrection, and then there is a transformation, all done through your divine grace. And I am purely the recipient of it all, and then I live from it. That's the last 23 years for me as a brand new creature in Christ. The stuff I know today I did not know in 1997. I did not know it in 2008. The kingdom of God is always progressing. Yeah? It's always going forward, which means where's the kingdom? Yeah. So if the kingdom is in you and it's progressing all the time, and I've been 22 years, I should have 22 years of knowing Jesus Christ and 22 years of maturity as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, as a son of Jesus, correct? So what can 23-year-olds do that a baby can't do? What can a 23-year-old do in the natural that a 16-year-old can't do? Can you hear it's like as you grow naturally, that's what the kingdom should be doing in you. So like you were naturally, I couldn't ride a bike when I was three, but I could ride a bike when I was five. I couldn't play chess when I was four, but I could play chess when I was six. Why? Because I'm growing and I'm progressively maturing. So what does that look like in the kingdom? It's the same thing. I start as a child. If I'm 23 years, I should be a young adult, a young man who knows things that I didn't know when I was one, two, three. And I should be able to do certain things because I'm 23, not two. If I'm 23 and can't do what a two-year-old can do, there's an issue, guys. It's the evidence that you're not growing in Christ. You're going through motions. And it's like, do you want to get off that? Like, that's the merry-go-round. They're fun at the circus, but mate, they make you a bit dizzy at times. Jump on the roller coaster. But you've got to get off that because they're all the forms of godliness. And it's not godliness. And the Bible says godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come. So when you stand in front of him for your judgment seat, it's the next part of the journey. You're going there, Simnor. The Rock Church is going there. Why? Because they learned, loved, and figured out my process, came into my life, and they lived a faithful, obedient life reflecting the kingdom as an ambassador on earth. They were my bride. They were my saints. They were my sons. They were my priests. They were my friends. The whole thing is the same people group called Israel, the spiritual people of God who have covenants that they know defined by promises. This is the kingdom message, which very few people actually have any idea of. So when I go tell me one of the mysteries in the kingdom of heaven, because we've been granted to know the entire mysteries. Well, how many mysteries are there? How many promises are there in Jesus Christ? A whole lot. Do you know what the first promise is? Not that you know he would love you, that you would receive his love in you. So then you can love. You, just knowing he loves you doesn't mean, you can't love humanity just because you know here he loves you. You have to receive love to give love. You can't give what you haven't received. Isn't that right? So it's not just, oh yeah, I believe that, I agree with that, I mentally, no, that's, that's demonic. 
That's man. This is like, I don't believe that because I haven't yet received that. Now, I'm not saying mental agreement is wrong, but it doesn't move you to be able to act. It has to go beyond that. It's got to go to a piercing of the heart through the divine word of God that takes you from one place to another and you didn't make an active choice of your will for that. What your active choice is, is do the work. Now, when he does the work, that's not you. So your active choice of will is you step and go, do the work. I can't do the work, so I step out to, for the work to be done, but I don't do the work. What people do is they step out and try and do the work. No, you step out, then you wait for the work to be done in you. The seed is the power that holds everything to do the work. The problem with the institution that we've all been brought up in, it tells you you can do the work. And it lies to you. It doesn't mean to. All it knows is, man, because maybe it's never had a revelation of the way of God. And I taught this with our guys the other day. Jesus said, I am the way, correct? Right. Is that a four-step plan? Is it a program? Is it a method? That's what we've made it. We go, we've got Jesus, now we need the how-to. Isn't the how-to a methodology? Well, who's the how-to? He is. Your way, Jesus the person, is the how-to. He is everything. So why do we ask and why have we created the four-step model? Here's the four steps to life. Now there's one. It's called him. I am the life. Like, it's not a mystery, he wrote it. I am the way, truth, life. So we, in our ultimate wisdom, have made the way a formula. Just give me the how-tos. Who is it becoming one? What did my mum ask me? Greg, what is the how-to to that? What did I say? Him. What did she then do? Sam, give me the how-to. <laughs> hey, mum. We had a great lunch. <clears throat> I love my mum. She said, I'm doing it again, aren't I, Greg? <laughs> yep, you are, Mum. Mm. But this is what we do, because we're still fleshly. Give me the four steps to enter the access to possess life. Okay, it's Jesus, it's one step. No, I got him. Then you'll have life, because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is Jesus not the wisdom of God? Is he the power of God? Is he love? Is he hope? Is he peace? So we're not looking for Jesus and a supplement. It's him. And he go, Paul goes, guess what? I'm afraid you've been led astray in your noggin by the demonic from the simplicity of knowing him. And we all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we go, give me Jesus and... And off we go again on the merry-go-round. I'm like, oh my giddy aunt. If he's not patient, we're all gone. <laughs> Look how long-suffering is this guy. He long-suffering. And then he turns up with a discipline word and says, hey, I've been long-suffering for a while. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And I love you. Now, did Peter hear that? 
Mm. And so he went on and went round the mountain again. You're going to deny me. No, I won't. Okay, round the mountain again. So how many times do you want to go round the same mountain? Man, that's tiring. Okay, what about the truth? I am the way, the truth. What have we made the truth? If the truth is a person, what have we made it? What did you say? If I was to say to you, I love the word of God, what am I talking about? There you go. No, there you go. The Bible. Okay? That's what most people say the word is. The Bible. Is the Bible the word of God? No, it's the scriptures. Who's the word? Right. So what have we made truth? The Bible. So you try to access life through words on a page. But the life comes through the one who said, I am the life. Now, unless you have me, they're just words on a page. So you're completely going the wrong way by someone telling this to you. Just go away and read the Bible. Man, it's such a setup for failure. It should be this. Right, now, you can't read the Bible on your own and know what's in here. The person is life. You need to know the person. And you can know the person without the book. But we like the book, but the book's two. The person's one. So one defines two. Two doesn't find one. If you try and go two first, you'll be searching for the scriptures, looking for eternal life. Are you tracking with me? And the person will stand right in front of you and say, hey, I'm eternal life. And you'll be unwilling to come to the one who's directly in front of you. And you're looking around the one going, no, you're not eternal life. You're not the book. We're looking for life in the scriptures. And the one of the scriptures who's the living word who stands up and goes, here I am, it's written about me, speak, you crucify. And you can do that as a follower of Jesus. But unless you're apprehended by it, you do it. And his love is covering it daily, going, man, get off the merry-go-round and see and hear, but it's in the Spirit. So we've made the truth, the Scriptures, or the words on a page, and the life that we try to enter into, instead of once again being a person, because we already think we have them, comes through the written words. So we're looking for life in the words. And it's like, no, that it's like, bless my life that's actually dead. I've got to give you a brand new one. I want to give you an complete upgrade well I'm not that bad well, you really are and so this is what we do so you go and then we have this in verse 7 so what's happened is this is John 14 6 correct and then he says there's no other way to the father but through me Yeah. now what does that get preached as salvation is it salvation no it's not now, is that true? Yes, as a sinner, you have to receive the Son, so then you can spend eternity with the Father in forever, correct? So it's true. That's true, but that's not the passage. So what's the next verse? John 14, 7. Because this defines John 14, 6. That's what happens when you stop and you pluck out a passage that you really like and don't put it in context with the entire thing. You start preaching stuff that's technically true, but not the story behind here. 
it goes back to talking about oneness. So he says, Philip, he says, Breck, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what does Breck say? Show me the Father. Okay, let's start this again. <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then show me the Father. Okay, here we go again. If you've seen me. <laughs> and it's like, how long are we going to play this game? You know what he says? How long have I been with you and you still don't know me? They didn't have a clue who he was, but they said he was the Messiah. They didn't know he was the Messiah. They only knew he was the Messiah. So they didn't live like he was the Messiah. Correct? If the Messiah tells you that you're going to deny him and you argue with him, do you know he's the Messiah? Who's the Messiah of your life? You are. And you need to get killed. No, you need Jesus who will crucify you when you receive Jesus because you get Jesus and you get crucified. You don't try to crucify you. You get Jesus and you get crucified. Paul got Jesus and he said, I got crucified. Did Paul get on a cross? Then how on earth did he get crucified? If he never got on a cross, if he never went through the physical crucifixion, how did the man get crucified? He tells you. Who did? Jesus Christ entered into him. Jesus Christ got off that cross because he's the resurrection and the life and he entered into Paul and Paul got crucified. What got crucified? His hard heart, his spirit of pride that had him as Saul, killed, gone, bang, gone, you're dead. Now go and preach the gospel. Instantly moved because he died and got born again. There's no process that was on the way, all the Saul bits when he got broken down. That's his dying. Then he died, bang, dead. Fill you with power, now go preach. And he preached who? Judaism or Christ? He preached the one he received. Man, this man is going to get so many rewards because right now his life is still accumulating reward because his judgment hasn't come, has it? Is that the legacy you want to leave? That your life now could have a divine impact in a young person's life that hasn't even been born, who you don't even know, because you lived a kind of life that was a kingdom ambassador life on earth because you worked it out with God. He said, come to me and learn from me and I will show you all things that I have prepared for you that are in the unseen realm that no one else knows. Now live, and you can. Ooh, all through a prayer. <laughs> See what sits behind this prayer? Man, there's a whole world that sits behind this prayer, if you know what you're praying. And he opens it up as you found at his feet. Let me show you what my will is. Let me open up the realm of the kingdom that my son brought 2,000 years ago. Let me inscribe it on your heart. Let me take it from a book and write it on your heart and your mind. Let me renew your mind so you can see and have the mind of Christ. That's powerful. Who's going to take that church out? Nothing and no one. 
Who can separate you from the love? Can the demon? Can the sword? This is what it means, guys. You're more than conquerors. You leave the old life and the things that overcame you and you're soaring with him. Not overnight, it's a process, but how are you on the process with him? This is your identity. This is who you've been called to be. Live a life worthy of your calling and what you're chosen for. The administration of the kingdom of God, not the life that mum and dad had for you or what you thought you were going to be. There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying you can't get married. I'm not saying you can't be a teacher. I'm not saying you can't be whatever. But what I'm saying is they are not one. That's all secondary. Those are how God gets you into the earth so the kingdom can move through you. That's how you're going to influence. You're like undercover hairdressers or undercover teachers or undercover whatever you are. A little bit hard to be an undercover pastor. (laughs) I go incognito with my mask on. (laughs) No one knows who I am. I'm going to work this COVID thing. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Who is he? I don't know, but here we go. (laughs) I'll work anything to my advantage. Here we go. So we're undercover agents, aren't we, really, administering and ministering this kingdom wherever we are. But you can't if you don't know it. You're going to, well, I think it's this, or I feel it's that. He's going, no, they need to know it's that. And so it's the word, it's not your feelings or your thoughts that changes people, it's him out of you. And doesn't it say in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14 that when they heard the word, they believed it as the word of God, they accepted it from receiving it, and it performed a work in them who believed, who received a living conviction of the word that pierced, did a work, and then they dropped their idols and moved towards serving a living God. Like what makes you drop the lure of your life, which could be a child. Something powerful has got to take over that natural connection, correct? Yeah, it's called him. But he's not a process, he's a person. How long have I been with you and you don't know me, but I'm still here? He doesn't leave, he waits. And then he continues to speak in the hope that we'll hear But he does not leave us and he's not against us, he's for us and he will not condemn us but he will bring conviction so we can love. It's a powerful prayer. Does that answer the earth as it is in heaven or is there more? And and in simple terms, it's you minister as he ministered. So, you know when they hate you, and they will hate you, you love them. You don't hate them back. You don't replace the spirit that's coming at you with the spirit that's coming at you with you. You love them. And he said, they will hate you because of me. They will hate you, but it's because of me. It's because of me in you. See, it's not Jesus is there. That's why they hate you. They hate you because you're demonstrating him. And it's the true position. And that is not the position that gets around and placards. 
It's not that. It's the position that actually is the peacemaker position, which are the sons of God, which can, they're submitted to God, number one. They can stand firm and they can resist the pressure that's coming and love and not utter a word. Jesus did not utter one word when he went to his death, but he said this, Father, forgive. I am not saying if God calls you to speak, not to speak. I'm not saying if you're led by the Spirit to stand up for something, to not stand up for something. What I am saying is there's a false position in Christendom that's fleshly, that we've seen already on the media, that actually thinks it's doing God a favour and it's probably causing them more of a headache than anything else because it's misrepresenting a reality because self still lives. Bond servants have no rights. Correct? They have zero rights because bond servants are not of earth. They're of eternal. So the greatest example we have is the bond servant who is Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, although he was God, and he emptied God, he emptied himself as an example of what it looks like to be fully surrendered to. God, and then to be filled with the power of God and the fire of God to live as a human in the spirit, not as God fully as man, even though still God. Why did he do that? So you can know what's possible for you to live. This is the example you can live. God's not the God who dandles the carrot and goes, you can't do it. He goes, you can do it. You just can't do it in you. So you've got to leave you, lay hold of me, and you can. Wow. So there's no excuses anymore. But, 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 dealt with that. But, dealt with that. But, dealt with that. But you don't know what I did last night, dealt with that. The only thing that's getting in your way is you, is your unbelief. That actually is the greatest sin, is your unbelief. Belief. You don't believe it when it's spoken. You mentally agree with it, but you don't believe it. You say yes to it, but you don't believe it. How do you know? Your life will tell you what you believe. So if you want to know what you truly believe, look at your life. Ask someone else that you love and say, am I in what I think I'm in? And be prepared for the answer from love. Wouldn't you want to know if you're not in something you think you are? Right. So that's what God does. Yeah? He comes and he says, you're going to deny me. Why can't I go with you? That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is you will, but you're not ready right now. What did Jesus know that Peter didn't know? He wasn't ready. You're so full of yourself, you can think you can go where I'm going. Mate, it was just, just the other day that you actually, I had to try and, you know, get behind me, Satan. You still haven't even repented from that. And the bride to go, oh, I know the other lot. You know, the third person. 
<laughs> I know they won't, but me and you, we're tight. <laughs> you know, we're like this. <laughs> and it's just, oh man, you know, and it's me. And it's you, because you're all Peters. It's just what side of the cross are you? You're all Saul and Paul, same with me. We're all James, John, Thomas. We're all the disciples. It just depends on what side of the cross you're actually still on. And that's the truth, but it's okay. Because just like them, he loved them. He said, I will get you to where I'm going to get you if, if you do it my way. You're my friend if you do what I command. On earth as it is in heaven, he raises and takes dead people. He raises them up. He breathes life. He says live a brand new life and be the reflection and the demonstration of me. And it starts, if you're married, right there. Don't look there. It starts here. Right here. Put you in a covenant. <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have got married if I'd known this stuff. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Saved me half a whole lot of heartache. He divinely deceives us all. So he does it here first, yeah? How many of you had signed up to follow Christ if you fully knew what it meant? Nah, none of us would have. He has to divinely deceive you. Like with the disciples. You know, the one bit of the wisdom the disciples said was they didn't ask him where they were going. Come follow me. Yeah, sounds good. They didn't ask him, what was it going to cost? They just were excited. He goes, yeah, I'll take that. And he does enough in them to where Peter goes, are you going to go? Well, where are we going to go? We know enough not to leave you, but we know enough not to go there. So we're stuffed. He goes, yeah, welcome to being me and like me. Have you arrived at that place? I would have quit years ago. It ain't good. It's not nice. It's not this romantic thing that people paint up as being in the church and leading a church. Like, there's nothing romantic. It's a, that's a fantasy world. At times, it's horrible. And you go, can I quit? No. Did I quit on you? Oh, suck. <laughs> you can think about quitting. You just can't. And he does enough in you that you know you could, but you'd be miserable. And the only way is that way, but what he puts in you is a life in here greater than the life outside of you, which keeps you going. Because you also realize it's all part of your maturing process of being transformed and loving people who may not be that lovable because they don't know who they are and they get offended. And they could just be like you, before I came into your life. So can you love you being your neighbour, but it's really you? And how would you want to be loved if that was you? So can you love them like that because you have a love in you that's not you anymore? It's me. 
And if you're in the person, the answer is yes. If you're in a process, the answer is no. Eight twenty-three. Does anybody want to ask another question? Oh, yep, Anine. I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know why that's there. Because you're right, he doesn't tempt us. So lead us not into temptation. Well, he wouldn't lead us into temptation because he doesn't tempt us. But he will place you in the wilderness because he led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested, didn't he? So it's a bit of a mystery. And we'd probably need to look at the original languages to find out whether tempted really means tempted, but I actually don't know. Is my honest answer, I don't know. Maybe you could do a bit of homework and come back and help. <laughs> but it is part of that mystery because, you know, it's like, it's like this, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before God, and then Peter denied him. Okay, uh, well, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know. <clears throat> but I know he doesn't tempt but he allows, he will allow you to be tested by the tempter. There's a difference there, yeah. And what's fascinating about that whole thing is before Jesus started his ministry, he went through the wilderness being tempted by the devil. So he starts his ministry after going into the wilderness because he learned so much through that and comes out full of the power, full of the fire, overcoming the demonic, didn't he? But knowing that demonic would come for another opportune time. But he's full. And I love those passages in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 because it says, only when he came out of the wilderness was he hungry. Physically hungry. 40 days with no food, but had plenty of food. <laughs> Let me teach you, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who was in the wilderness with him? Who led him there? The Holy Spirit. Who was feeding him? Spiritual mama from above. And yet it was only when he comes out is he physically hungry. What's that saying about what spiritual mana can do for your physical body and spiritual? Builds you, empowers you, enables you to live beyond earth. Eternal life, heaven ambassador. And you just got to think about that amb word ambassador, eh? It's like, I'll just use Breck because I like using Breck. And <laughs> you know, so imagine Breck's the American ambassador here in New Zealand. What does she need to know about her nation if she's going to represent it here? A whole lot, yeah? Like, she shouldn't be on the phone every five minutes calling up whoever going, hey, what's our policy on 4.21? What do we do with this? No, she should know because that's why she's been sent. So we're all sent. So we're called to be sent from heaven to earth. Even though we're living on earth, we're from heaven to earth. 
and we're ambassadors who aren't dialing up heaven because we know, because he's showing us. So hear what I'm trying to say, fully equipped. The purpose of the fivefold is to equip the saints for the building up of the saints, for ministry, to see the divine works of God manifested into the earth, to which the first one is love. And if we can't do the first one, that would be a very good place to start rather than trying to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. We'll get to that, but we better be in the first because it's connected to a covenant called marriage. And if we're not loving the first, then we're called spiritual adulterous, not keeping our covenant, even though we can do signs and wonders and feel really good about ourselves. But he then says, guess what, on that day, if it wasn't done from love, then it's done from lust, and you can take my name, because there's authority and power in that, and you can do your will wrapped up in my name, and I'll tell you on that day, I do not know that you, I do not know you, but what he's really saying is, I know you didn't love me. But Lord, we did all these works for you in your name. He goes, I know, but it was in your will. You didn't let me be Lord of your life. You were still Lord of your own life. I loved you. Five over there. Five coming here. And that's a part of the gospel that's got lost along the way. And we've even preached the five are non-Christians to make us feel good about the fact that we don't have to do anything apart from pray a prayer of salvation. No, we have to live faithful, obedient, disciplined lives and walk in absolute righteousness, a life of righteousness, correct? God hates lawlessness, doesn't he? What's lawlessness? Sin. Sinful behavior. Sinful behavior is to miss the mark to which you were called the standard, which is by faith, correct? So God's not going, you sinner, you're playing on the computer doing that. What he's saying is, you're not living a life of faith. I died for that mess. You're not living to the standard of faith. You're missing the mark to which you were called. You're groveling here. I died for that. You just don't know it. You think that's sin. That's out of alignment. And if you allow that stuff to get in you, it's going to poison you. And this will never be a reality. But I've washed you of that stuff. So leave that stuff. Get your eyes on faith and see the unseen, the reason why I called you. And you won't be found there. So I'm not saying that's right. What I am saying, it's not the focus. The focus is that. But because we're in unbelief, we justify that away and we miss the mark of the standard of faith, which is a sin. The Bible says if you don't live by faith, it's a sin. And the religious system is bound up and what sin becomes, number one, no, it's faith. I died for your sin. Wake up. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. It's your unbelief. No, it's easier to make it about your sin, isn't it? Than your unbelief. That's why unbelief is the greatest sin, but you've made it about your behavior. It's a whole different way of looking at it. It's called His way. Does God accept you based on your behavior? No. 
<laughs> God does not accept you based on your behaviour, does he? Accept you. God does not accept you based on your behaviour. No. He accepts you based on his love. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. Like how good you have to be to get in. That's religion. But that's what, that's what people preach. That's what's come out of certain denominations, if you want to call it. Get yourself tidied up so you can get there. No, come as you are. So we start behaviour. God starts at belonging. Before you even were, I died for you as sinners. So there's number one, belonging. What's second? You've got to believe. Do you believe that? No, you're still trying to clean yourself up, which means you're in unbelief to what I say and what I've done, which means you spit on the cross. Man, I've done it all. What do I have to do? More? And then it's behaviour. So if you know you belong, you believe, you know what you do start doing? Your behaviour is right. Righteous. But if you're the other way around, man, you're messed up. You will never make it. Because you're constantly trying to clean yourself up, not realising you're clean. You don't know you actually believe. You're in unbelief. And so you're just in condemnation your entire life. That's religion. I'm so grateful enough to get myself cleaned up. He cleans you as you go, doesn't he? So we're keeping your eyes on the prize, not eyes on death. What an offer. All through a simple prayer. <laughs> it is highly deep, yeah? Simple, but deep. Profoundly mysterious. It stands right in front of you. And you can eat with him, drink with him, sleep next to him in the tent, whatever, and then go, who is he? Don't ask. He speaks really weirdly. Hopefully we'll get it one day. That's right, when you die. And you get born of power. Cool? Should we call it a night? It's early, hey? Well, hey. Are we allowed to get free set early? No, we've got half an hour. We need to fill it in. <laughs> I don't know, what do you want to do? Do you want to ask more questions? Okay. Yep. Well, they did. Amen. I was, gonna, I was actually almost going to be really smart and I would have got in real, real, real trouble by all the ladies in the room. Um, so what is the account of that? Where is Eve led astray? So where is she led astray? So, so <coughs> they're in perfect fellowship. Right? See, this, this, is where, this is where there's a real, um, this is where the two and the one thing works really well if you can hear what I'm about to say so what happened what happened in the garden so Satan's there and he goes to Eve and he appeals to something 
which is what Paul addresses in Corinthians. You've been led astray. Say, I throw a thought to you that starts to go in your mind. That's where you've got to take the thoughts captive. So the mind starts to circulate. Oh, okay, I can be like God. Always wanted that. And you know, it talks about, and I, I, no, I don't know whether I should say this or not. It's just, it's just this whole thing. You know, the, the, the dynamic of the perfect of oneness, how when a male and a female know the design of God and headship and covering, it works. Yeah? So he goes after the weaker vessel. God speaks to, God speaks to Adam. He attacks Eve. Now, Adam then listens to his wife. Okay? I've got thoughts around that, which I'm not going to share, but... <coughs> He goes and appeals to the mind. And so they were in fellowship, but he goes and works, and he's the God, he's the, you know, he's temptation, deception, and lies. And so that's, it's hypothetical a bit, but no, they were in fellowship because they were born pure. They hadn't yet partaken. But here's the thing as soon as they, here's your how to again, okay? So we talk about, you know, this how how to thing. So as soon as they ate, what happened? <clears throat> they did. What did they have though? So, like they ate, they eat, and they are instantly brought into something, and that something made them cover over. Right. So they got knowledge. So they eat, instantly have knowledge. They're naked. Cool. So that's the tree of darkness. What happens when you eat the tree of life? Instantly get knowledge. So once again, Jesus, people say, how to, how to? Well, when you eat the food, you get the knowledge. So if you don't have the knowledge, you're not eating the food. It's not eat, something happens in the middle, then you get knowledge. It's if you partake, unless you eat and drink of my blood, you have no life within you. John six fifty five. So if you eat, taste and see, you instantly have a knowledge. The knowledge makes you free. It's all one thing, which is back to Jesus as one. Slightly different from that, but still powerful in relation to, well, if you eat the demonic tree and get knowledge, you get death. So when you partake of the wrong system, you're dying spiritually. When you partake of the right system, life. So if you take in the seed of death, then you're spiritually going to die, aren't you? Unbelief, no, 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 and it should be yes, 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 yes. So the enemy is very passionate about throwing seeds of darkness out, arrows, condemnation. So if you mishear the wrong thing, believe the wrong thing, then actually you're spiritually dying, not spiritually living. See how important it is to hear? Got to work in partnership. Anyone else? Has that helped? It's not what was really in the notes, but it is what's in the notes because it's, it's the life of what's in here. And this thing, this thing here is massive. Like I would write that down because that's the divine order. Because the righteous acts of the saints are what? 
in Revelation 19. So, garments of who? The bride of Christ. So we talk about the bride of Christ, but you've got to do righteous acts if you want the garments of the bride. He gives you the first garments, the garments of righteousness. That's for free. These aren't. They are right actions, meaning they are actions inspired, empowered, led by God, by faith, from God, coming out of you. They are not just, oh yeah, I got this all down pat. Give it a go, see how you get on. God's way more intentional than that. And that's why it says, the fine linen garment is the righteous actions of the saints. James talks about faith and deeds. You can't have one without the other. That's right. If you're really in faith, you'll have deeds. But they're righteous deeds. They're not your deeds, they're not any deeds. If you see the unseen, your life will be aligned and your life will have works associated with it. But they are His works, so you're used by Him to see His kingdom come. And then you're working as a body within that motion because the entire body, the entire body is supposed to be the bride. But we know she won't all be because she doesn't all live the way she's called to live. Because some of her love husbands, wives, children, their own lives more than. Matthew 10, okay? It's what Jesus is saying to us. If it was all, there wouldn't be five and five, correct? There would be no need for a reward, correct? So there is a distinguishing mark. There would be no need for a judgment seat of Christ, correct? There would only be the judgment seat for the wrath of God, for eternal destination. But there's not, there's two. There's the judgment seat of Christ for reward for the church to see whether you lived a faithful and obedient life to the design. And many people leave all that out because they don't know it and it doesn't put bums on seats. But we're not about bums on seats here, we're about seeing a church raised up in the earth. Five disciples are way more powerful than 50,000 followers. It ain't about numbers. It's not a numbers game. Jesus looked at the crowd and then went, you want to be my disciple? You've got to hate everybody and you've got to give up everything. Want to come? Now, it doesn't mean you can't have a house and you can't get married. But what it means is who's got your heart, who's got your mind? Do you want to come? And he didn't hang around, did he? So he's patient, but he doesn't hang around. I'm coming to do my father's will. Do you want to come and do it with me? And that's what he's saying here. I've come to do my father's will. Do you want to come do it with me? It's time to move. Let's go. Done. I could talk all night. <laughs> I'm like giving you the opportunity to get out of here. Do you want to stay? Yep, done. Going, going, gone. <laughs> like, God, go. Um, actually, one thing I forgot to mention, ministry day. There is a ministry day, but because of COVID, it all got messed up. So we have to find a day that's going to work. Um, what ministry day is, is just an opportunity to be with some elders 
to pray into some things that you might want to pray about. You don't have to come. It's not something you have to do, but it is an opportunity to bring stuff. So through this whole process, God might have identified some things in your life that you want prayer for. So that's really what the day is for. It's about half an hour per person. We tend to have like two or three elders per person, and then we just work it out throughout the day. So um, I'll be in touch with a date. It'll probably be in November. Okay, um, and so we also will, you know, if you can't make that date, we'll try and rework it and rejig it. So, but you don't have to if you don't want to. But if you want to, I'd recommend it. There's a lot of cool things can happen. Um, God speaks. You might want to deal with some stuff, some deeply rooted stuff that you need dealt with, so He can release you to be a kingdom ambassador. More cool. Have a cool week. Okay.